do you have an effective small group community? In fact, you love your small group system. You love the way your small groups work. You love everything about you, the way small groups are functioning in your church. However, you don't love the level of spiritual depth that you're seeing throughout your congregation. Is there a lack in the spiritual depth in your congregation that you feel like small groups just isn't quite hitting the mark? Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about why small groups really aren't the best discipleship tool for, uh, for us to use in ministry and why I think small groups are never really going to be that strong discipleship tool that maybe Sunday school once was for us. We're going to look at why I think that it's not going to work and the answer that I believe we need to implement in order to take our congregation and the people in our church to a deeper spiritual depth and to a deeper relationship with Jesus. So let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. I hope you're doing wonderfully wherever you are. The focus here in this Ministry Hackers Podcast is to help you live your dream life in ministry. I know that that seems hard to believe. In fact, it might even seem very lofty to think about. But the reality is, is that God has created a dream life for you. As a pastor, as a ministry leader, he's created a life for you to live. And our job is to help you discover what that dream life is. And so welcome to the podcast. Welcome to this episode. I'm so glad that you have chose to join us on this uh, on this day in this episode. So uh, we've been talking about it a lot here, and I want to continue to remind you that you can get a free getaway somewhere in the country. There are locations all over the country where people have decided that they believe in what pastors do. They believe in the work that we do. They believe that we are valuable to our communities and to this country. And what they've done is they've opened up their ranches, they've opened up their cabins, they've opened up whatever it is that they own uh, to provide free getaways for you and I. As pastors and ministry leaders, there are places all over the country where you can get free getaways. And I want to encourage you to go to brandonpartycooper.com slash free getaway. And I have a list of 10 free getaways for pastors, pastors and their spouses, pastors and their families, Places you can go from anywhere from two days to 14 days, almost two weeks. You can get a two-week vacation almost for free just by going to this list and making a reservation. And so I want to encourage you, go to brandonpartycooper.com slash free getaway. Look at the list. There might be one right in your backyard. And so, um, so go get the list, look at the locations, call them up, book your free getaway, and take some time to rest and relax. The summer's almost over. And so take some time to get away, maybe do a sabbatical if you've never done that before, or maybe take your family on a vacation uh, that maybe you haven't done that in a long time, um, but get away, spend some time relaxing, resting, putting the ministry aside for a little while and taking care of you. Again, go to brandonpartycooper.com slash free getaway. Look at the list of 10 locations, give them a call and find out which one works best for you. Okay. So most of us, I, I assume, and I assume this is the case for you, we've been in ministry long enough that we either went to Sunday school when we were growing up or were familiar with what Sunday school was when it was a thing. 
Uh, it's really not a thing for most places. There are a few churches that still do Sunday school. Um, and there are a lot of churches, I think, that do something that they don't call it Sunday school anymore. But back in the day, go back 10, more like 20 years, Sunday school was the thing. Every morning, every Sunday morning, either, either before service or in between services, if you had two services, you had this 45 minute to an hour long session where we would gather together in different age groups and different demographics. And we would sit down and we would study scripture. We would go deep in discipleship. We would go deep into the word. We would go deep into uh, what the Bible said. That's where all of our, as a kid, that's where we would learn um, all the Bible stories. And for those of us who are old enough, we had the flannel boards and all the cool things you put on there. And it seemed like magic. The things were just sticking on the board. And that's where that comes from is from Sunday school. Now, about 10, 20 years ago, Sunday school started fading out. Uh, people weren't attending Sunday school anymore. There was very low attendance. It was hard to get people to come. There were lots of reasons. But over the years, uh, Sunday school just kind of went away. Um, and, and I don't disagree with that. I think that at the time, strategically, it was the right answer. There was a lot of resources and a lot of time being put into Sunday school. And there weren't a lot of people attending. And, and if you've followed the podcast or followed uh, my blog for any amount of time, you know that I am an advocate for if things are not working, if people are not coming, then let's cut it, let's move on, let's find something else that works. And so I think that the decision to cut Sunday school was probably the right decision for most churches. However, we didn't really necessarily think through what the repercussions of that would be. And we realized that one of the things we loved about Sunday school and one of the reasons that people that came to Sunday school kept coming was because of the relationships. I, I was um, on staff at a church where Sunday school had been around forever. And some of these Sunday school classes, they were like families. They were, you know, people in there were, were um, had been together for some of them. 20 years had been going to the same Sunday school class. Uh, attending there. They, you know, had families that had come through the Sunday school class um, whenever there was a party or a birthday or um, <clears throat> a baby shower or a wedding shower, or whatever the whole Sunday school class would attend because they were just a strong community, a strong family um, that attended the Sunday school for years and years and years. And so when we, when, when Sunday school went away, when, when the decision was being made, Hey, we're going to cut Sunday school. What most people were looking for was some sort of option that would replace Sunday school, but, but mostly the community aspect, because as we all know, and as you know, community is what brings people back over and over again. It's what builds relationships, what builds the church eventually, um, you know, enough people come and they have relationships, they stick with each other and the church grows because they invite more of their friends and more friends and, and church grows because of this relational connection that we have. And so when Sunday school was cut, the question was, okay, what are we going to replace Sunday school with that's going to meet that relational connection point? Well, small groups were developing. They were kind of a thing. Some of the larger churches out there were using small groups and books were being written about the effectiveness of small groups. And so most churches today in 2022 have some form of small group system that they use and that they utilize. I'm sure you do. We do at my church. We have, we have small groups and that has replaced the community portion of what Sunday school used to have. 
unfortunately, what it hasn't really effectively replaced is the discipleship piece of what Sunday school really was meant to be. Because again, Sunday school was about going and <clears throat> digging into the scriptures and going deeper and learning more about what the Bible said and going deeper into the, um, you know, into the truths of scripture. That's what Sunday school was really about. The community piece just kind of came as a byproduct. We went to Sunday school to learn scripture, but we built relationships with people. Well, what happened is, is when we replaced Sunday school, we entered in small groups. And really what happened is the community aspect or the community relationship building became the focus and discipleship became the byproduct. We're getting together as small groups so that we can build relationships together. And we're going to do that through studying scripture, going through a book, going off of the Sunday sermon, whatever it is that we do. <clears throat> so there, the switch happened from Sunday school to small groups. The focus went from discipleship. It went to relationships. And again, I'm not saying that was wrong, but what I'm saying is that we've learned over the last couple of years, especially is that most churches and most congregations and most Christians are sorely lacking in their depth of discipleship. You know, we have a lot of Christians who go to church regularly, who are uh, very committed, very loyal, very um, involved Christians at our churches, and they don't know their scripture. They don't understand scripture. They don't understand uh, biblical truths. They, you know, a lot of them don't even understand what our basic doctrines are. They can't defend those doctrines because they don't know the scriptures that back them. And what that says and what we've learned is that discipleship is, is a huge need in our churches. And yet we still don't seem to have an answer. A lot of us, I know <clears throat> for myself, most churches that I've been a, a part of, most churches that I've attended and most churches that I've been on staff is, we build in some sort of discipleship piece into small groups. Again, that might be a book study. Maybe we're going through a book of the Bible. Maybe we're going through a popular book that somehow touches on scripture. We have these different uh, scriptural elements that we build in. But the reality is, is that for the most part, those small groups are being taught by other members of the congregation who have really no training in, in have no Bible training have no degrees. They have no real depth of knowledge in scripture. Um, they just are, you know, essentially one step ahead of the people they're teaching, which is fine. But again, it's contributing to this lack of discipleship that we're finding. And so what I want to do is I want to give you three reasons why I think small groups are not the answer for discipleship. They are a great answer for relationship building community building and culture development. But I just think that small groups are not going to be the answer for discipleship. And I'm going to give you three reasons why. And the first one is that small groups are built for community. That's the whole idea. The idea, one of my favorite small groups is my basketball group. I have over the years, I have led two basketball small groups. The first one I led was when I was, um, when I was starting out in ministry, I had a small group that we met on Saturday mornings and we met on Tuesday afternoons and we just played basketball. We built relationships with each other. People from the community would come in and we'd play basketball. People from the local local colleges would come in. We played basketball. We got to know lots of people at the time I was involved in young adults. And so that became an inroad for people to come in, play basketball, get to know each other, hang out, connect. Oh, hey why don't you come to small group or why don't you come to our young adult service on Thursday nights? 
And it just became this natural evangelistic tool where relationships were built and people would come into the church. And then, you know, I had another small group, uh, the next church that I was in. And now after moving here to Virginia beach and attending the church that I attend, uh, somebody else has a small group. We meet on Friday mornings. It's one of the highlights of my week is getting together with this group of guys playing some ball, just hanging out, getting a good sweat on, uh, nursing our injuries every week. It's, it's fun. It's so much fun. And it's helped me connect with people, build relationships. My wife says, I feel like, you know, everybody just because you go to play basketball. And quite honestly, I've met a lot of people just by that small group. Small groups are built for community. It's the whole idea behind them. Even if you're doing a Bible study or some sort of book study, the whole point is to come together, connect with people, build relationships. Somebody new to the church, somebody that's coming in, what, are, what, are, what do we normally push them towards? We push them towards get involved in a small group. Here are all our small groups. Get involved with them. What do we tell our congregations? Make sure you're inviting people into your small group or invite them to small group with you. That's the point is because we're wanting to build community. We know that if people are connected relationally to others in the church, they're more, most, more likely to come back, more likely to be a part, and more likely to stay as a part of our church. Small groups are built for community, which is great, but they're not built for discipleship. Discipleship can happen in small groups but most likely are not going to be super effective because small groups are built for community. The second reason is that small groups are naturally organic. They're naturally organic, which means that the basic design of a small group is that relationships bring in new people. People gravitate maybe based on interest. Maybe they gravitate towards a small group because they know somebody. They gravitate towards small group because it's close to them in location. People come naturally into a small group based on organic events. But what that means is that small groups are not systematic. They, there is no intentionality necessarily in the progression that somebody grows through in small groups. Now, could you have classes that are technically labeled as small groups? Sure, you can. And that might be the caveat to this conversation. But the reality is, is that if you're looking at a true small group system and and, and being true to the way small groups work, they are naturally organic, which means that if somebody comes into your church and they need discipleship, they truly need to go deeper in their walk with God, you know, somebody just newly saved, okay, what's the next step? Small groups are not going to naturally develop them in their deeper relationship with Jesus and their understanding of scripture simply because small groups are naturally organic, which means that sure, you just got saved, and you need to get involved with something where you're going to go to a small group and you're going to stay in that small group because you have relationships, which means that the small group isn't necessarily going to systematically take you through a process of discipleship. It's not designed for that. It's not built for that. It's really not the way it works. It's an organic entity. And so it's not going to work for discipleship, which needs it, which needs a degree of intentionality. It needs a systematic approach. And it needs to progress somebody from one step to the next step until they grow into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so that's the second reason. Small groups are just naturally organic. And then the third reason why I think that small groups is just not the answer for discipleship is that they are low commitment level. 
when you enter into a small group, I, I get for me, our basketball small group, we had three guys this last week because it's 4th of July weekend. Lots of guys were out of town. Lots of things were going on. We had three guys. We can have all the way up to 15 or 16 guys. It could be anywhere in that range based on the week. Why? Not because it's a small group. I don't feel obligated to go. I don't have to go. Honestly, if I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I decide I don't really want to go today, I don't have to because we're just getting together for a relational connection. I'm not moving through any process. I have no, uh, there is no systematic approach. So my commitment level is low. Even if you're going through a book, even if you're going through some sort of um, word study or Bible study, the commitment level is just low because it's just a small group. And that's the way small groups should be. They shouldn't be high commitment. They're not designed that way and they shouldn't function that way. When people choose to attend a small group, they don't uh, want to feel this high level of obligation, which is why I think small groups are so successful as relational connection points in our churches because the commitment level is low and people are busy. They don't want to be overly committed. And so if you're wanting them to somebody to go through a systematic approach of discipleship, small groups isn't going to be the answer just because the commitment level is too low. And if people are wanting to go through discipleship, they have to have a high level of commitment. And when they, when they hear or they understand, hey, if you want to be discipled, you need to attend these small groups, they're not going to think, oh, I'm committed to this. I'm going to go every week. I'm going to be a part of it. They just, they just don't think of it that way. It's low commitment, which means they're just not going to stay committed all the way through. If you have a 10-week or a 12-week or a 20-week process for discipleship, they're not going to stay committed because it's a small group and small groups are low commitment. So that begs the question then, if small groups aren't the answer for discipleship and Sunday school has proven that it's just not effective, then what do we do? How do we disciple people effectively? Again, if you have listened to this podcast or read my articles for any length of time, you know that this is one of the things that I'm super passionate about. And I think that we really need to address because the pandemic and 2020 and uh, shutdown and churches, you know, closing down for months and months and months, all of that showed us that we lack discipleship in a very desperate way in our churches. And so we have to have an answer. There has to be some sort of answer. And what I believe is the answer is developing a hybrid discipleship experience. And what I mean by that is using online discipleship as well as in-person, one-on-one or cohort group style discipleship. And the reason why I think this is because one, people are busy. Now we can argue whether they should be busy. We can argue whether they need to make a commitment to the process. We can argue all of that. But at the end of the day, we can't force people to do anything. And if people, especially like for me, I have three boys, I have three kids, and we are not to the stage yet where we are super busy with sports and activities and everything else, but I know that day is coming. And we're going to get to a point where we have to juggle everything going on with their school and their sports and their activities and our own personal family life, along with all of our church commitments. Now, I'm a pastor and I'm committed to church and I'm committed to what we do, but there is a real struggle there. And a family who is just coming into the church, a family is just trying to figure themselves out and figure out their, uh, their level of commitment to church. And they're trying to figure out, you know, what does this Christianity thing even mean? Or how does it affect our families? 
expecting them to be highly committed to weeks long of coming to service, uh, you know, coming to some sort of class on a Sunday morning and then going to service every week for 10 weeks. It's just not realistic. Or you're wanting them to come in the middle of the week, week after week after week, because they need to be a part of the establishment. It's just not going to work because people are busy. Hybrid, what hybrid does is it allows people to consume content when it's convenient for them. People are consuming content all day long, all day long. I don't know about you, but I know for me, it could be 11 o'clock at night and I'm watching a YouTube video, trying to learn something or trying to develop something. I know that I'm going to consume content throughout the week based on when I have free time. Now they can be watching some funny TikTok video or, you know, some meme video on Facebook, or they could be watching your video on discipling them, understanding the word, understanding scripture, understanding their deeper relationship with Jesus. That's the option. And I think when we create a hybrid model where we take teaching and training and Bible study and all that stuff, and we put it onto uh, an online experience where they can go online and they can watch the videos when it's convenient for them. Then what we do is we, we utilize the time that we do have them, whether it's uh, a session a week or really, honestly, I think it should be a long session a month where we can really have conversation, where we can ask questions, where they can ask questions. It's a deeper relationship connection. It's a deeper uh, dive into uh, what, where they're really struggling and the pain points without this talking head for that hour or two where we're just communicating information. Do that in the videos. Do the relationship, discussion, conversations on the live one-on-one -on -one or cohort model sessions. And I think when we do that, number one, we make it more convenient for them to go through, which means that it increases the amount of people that are going to go through it and the speed at which they go through it. But it also takes it and makes it a lot easier for you and I and our staff to manage it time-wise. We don't have to fight so much to make time or to create time to do these things because we've built it into an online experience that people can be a part of whenever it's convenient for them. I also think that this is a model that we can use for developing our volunteers. Uh, you know, I, know, I don't know about you, but I assume like every other church, you need more volunteers on a week to week basis. Well, part of the problem is the reason, one of the reasons we don't have a lot of volunteers is because there's just this long process of getting them trained and developed and getting them through our discipleship system or getting them through whatever process that we need them to get through in order to be able to volunteer. Well, when we do this, when we set up a hybrid uh, discipleship experience or a hybrid training experience, when we use this model, we move people through sessions faster. We get them to the places where they want to be as well as we want them to be much quicker because it's a lot easier for them to be a part of. We could take a 20 week uh, discipleship process or a 20 week training process and we can do it in 20 videos and they could consume that in a couple weeks. It just makes sense to where we are as a society, where people are in their lives. Again, people are busy. They are super busy. And one of the things that we are struggling with as churches is we're struggling with getting them to find value in what we're doing in the midst of their busyness. So we need something other than small groups. Obviously, this, uh, Sunday school is not the answer. We need to find an in-between answer where it's also live, also online, but moving people 
through a process systematically, intentionally, progressionally, and helping them grow in their relationship with Jesus. And I think that once we implement that, once we build that, once we develop that, we are going to start seeing a lot more involvement in our churches, a lot more volunteers, and a lot more spiritual depth in our congregations. And that's ultimately what we want. We want people to be deep in their relationship with Jesus. It makes it harder to walk away when things get tough. They find peace and comfort in him because they understand him in a much deeper way. And when they know their scriptures, then they're grounded in their foundational relationship with him. And that's our job. Our job, number one, first and foremost, is not to grow churches. It's to grow disciples. It's to go and disciple people. That's what we're called to do. As pastors and ministry leaders, that's our number one job is to build disciples. And this, I think, is the model you can do. And I know that technology can be challenging. I know that there are things that you know can become difficult. But quite honestly, if you're using something like Planning Center, you can build it right into the workflows. It becomes very simple, very easy. It becomes automated. So once they watch a video, then the system will automatically kick to them the next video. Or you can build an online course. There's lots of ways to do that. I can help you do that if you need it. But there's lots of ways to do this. It's not hard. It's not complicated. And once you put in the time to build it, it's done. You don't have to do it again. All you have to do is make sure that it's up to date. <clears throat> but that's not really difficult to do because you don't shouldn't be updating your discipleship process that often. And so, you know, it's very easy to do. It's very doable for any church, whether you're a solo pastor or whether you have a whole staff behind you. It's very easy to do. And I think that the dividends that it's going to pay for you, your staff, and your congregation is well worth the effort to build a hybrid discipleship experience that moves people through systematically, takes them in deeper into their relationship with Jesus, and actually reaches their community effectively through evangelism. So those are the three reasons why I think small groups are not the answer. The one answer that I do think that is the best answer for us to utilize and wherever you are with your small groups, your discipleship system, continue to work it. Continue to see how those two things work together to build disciples, to take deep, people deeper in their relationship with Jesus, and to help them grow in their relationship, to grow in their understanding of who they are in Christ, understand scriptures at a very deep level, understand all the wonderful nuggets of scripture that most people don't know because they don't study their scripture enough. Give that gift to them through a good discipleship process that takes them deeper. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you in the next episode.